Hey, Marie, how's it going? I'm going really good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm a little sick today. I feel a little bit of something kind of coming on. But other than that, I'm uh, doing all right. So we didn't record last week because we had a little bit of issue. We used Riverside to record. I don't know if it was Riverside's fault necessarily. It seemed like we just hit some sort of weird bug and then ran out of time to record because we were too busy talking before the show about zombies. Uh, <laughs> I know, that's the thing. <laughs> we're back this week. <laughs> every every time before the show, we we always do a little pre-chat, I guess. What, what do we want to mm-hmm. talk about this week? We don't really do that much preparation beforehand, but we just go, hey, what, do we, what did we do this week? And it's pretty easy because it's all fresh. Like it's basically whatever we're working on, right? Right. But we do talk, I guess we, we plan to do like a 10-minute or something. What are we going to talk about? And it always ends up being... An hour, hour and a half. Last week was an hour and a half about zombies. Then we went to hit record and I think we got caught in like some change, like Riverside was just changing like a new version or something. I think we just literally got caught then. Right when I logged in, there was a message. It was like, welcome to the new Riverside. And I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Everything looks the same too. So I'm not sure what that actually meant. Like the interface all looks the same to me, but whatever it was, there was some sort of sort of issue but we're back. So what have you been doing this week? This week and a little bit of last week, I guess, because we missed that. One big thing we did was we did a quarter one review. I can't believe we're already quarter one <laughs> of 2023. That just it's wild. That went so quickly. I feel like the first part of the year goes more quickly than the end of the year for some reason mm-hmm. for me. But we did a quarter one review, me and the person I work with. Normally we work remote and we decided to go in person because it's just much easier. And we we just went to WeWork for the day, just paid for like a day pass. And in the morning we went through all the stuff we did in quarter one. And then we went for a nice lunch. And then in the afternoon we started thinking like, what do we want to do in quarter two? And obviously all these things can change, but it's really nice having a plan and then executing on that plan is very satisfying to see all the work that we've done. We kind of surprised ourselves because we're just a two person team. Mm. So we surprised ourselves like how much progress we'd actually made. And we're starting to look at analytics a bit more too and tracking like what's happening with the business. So it was just really nice to look at the graphs going in the right direction, like up and to the right. (laughs) I, I highly recommend it. Like even if you, it doesn't have to be like a time consuming thing. We did it in one day. Yeah, we just sort of focused on that the whole day. And it was just super nice to acknowledge the work. Yeah, I always find it's helpful to, usually I do like a personal review, of like a personal mm. retreat, where I kind of like reflect on things. Usually that's for like an annual thing. But that's something, we haven't done anything like that with Polar Habits. And it's probably something we, you know, now that we're charging and starting to get some like income moving, we have a few more measurables to kind of look at. That's probably something we should look at doing. Maybe not this time, but maybe next quarter kind of review the first half of the year yeah we've been seeing some tweets what else is going on with llama life i've been having a lot of fun actually <laughs> <laughs> i've been doing more design and dev work for llama life kind of go i don't know depends what's happening i've been doing a lot of marketing and seo the last like month or couple of months so i'm really getting back into doing design and dev which is what i love i love i love it so much so we've been doing a lot of stuff with colors we introduced some new color themes it's quite a nice evolution on this tiny feature we introduced. So it started off just being this one button where you could hit color me and it just rainbow colored your whole task list. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of cool. Like it injected a bit of dopamine. You're like, oh, wow, my whole list, you know. 
But it was very, very basic and very simple. And when you added new tasks to the list, like they weren't themed. They, it was just, you had to keep hitting the, the button saying color, color, color. But we had quite a surprise reaction to it. So I didn't really think people would love it as much as they did. But we had so many people going, I really like this feature. I use it all the time. I'm always hitting this button. And it just makes it fun. Like it gives more variety. <laughs> so right. we decided to add some color themes. The difference now is that when you set a theme, well, there's more to choose from and it sticks. So we actually save to the database, like you have picked this theme. So when you add new tasks, it's doing it in like the theme sequence, like the color sequence. That sort of sounds simple, I guess. Everything always sounds simple, but when you execute it, there's so many little decisions you have to make. And if you use the product and you go, this feels really nice and simple, that means I've done my job, right? If it doesn't feel clunky or if it does what you expect it to do, then I've done my job. If it looks like it's expected to look, I've done my job. And I think this is what a lot of people miss. Like if a product feels really nice and simple, there's probably a lot of work that's gone into it to make it feel that way. And it's when it feels off, then you notice it. But if it doesn't feel off, you're like, oh, this is great. Like <laughs> super easy, super simple. But yeah, colors are hard because, you know, you gotta, you got to account for like what happens if you've got white text and the colored background, is it legible enough? And we picked a very specific color palette to try and make sure that works. Mm -hmm. But even then we still have people going from an accessibility standpoint, it could be a little better. I'm like, ah, oh, I want it to be, but it's like really hard and we keep tweaking it. Yeah, I've been doing heaps with colors lately and I love it. <laughs> colors just makes me, I don't know, to-do lists and stuff is so boring sometimes. So I feel like we're really trying to inject a lot of fun into our products. Yeah. We're trying to make a boring category fun and engaging with variety and randomness. And I feel mm. like that would help, especially with our audience, because a lot of our community members, our users have ADHD. So I think it does help. And I have ADHD as well. And it really helps me when a product feels kind of fun. Yeah, I think that like those little random elements with the color and stuff like that's it, it's a great source of dopamine. Uh, and I think oh my gosh, yeah. similarly, like having like little, you know, when you complete something and it does if it does like confetti, but then sometimes it does something a little different. Like that's always fun because then you can kind of learn oh, that's, that was unexpected. That, that was exciting for my brain because yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a little bit different this time. Mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. And what you say about like the design, it's so, yeah, like really good design just sort of gets out of the way and you don't even notice it. And then, but there's other apps or whatever, you get it and you use it and you're like, something just isn't quite right. And like, if you aren't, if you don't have experience like thinking about design and stuff like that, you might even, not even be able to tell what it is. It's just like mm -hmm. something about this feels clunky or off or amateur or something like that uh whereas good design it's just like people don't notice it yeah it's like when you go buy clothes and you put on something you're like yeah this just work this just looks really good right right yeah you can buy two of the same things like say two t-shirts you wear one you go oh my god this looks amazing on me just like fits everything's like exactly how i need it to be and then you put another one on maybe it's got the same pattern on it but it's like this doesn't fit like something there's something weird about it and, you, and it's hard to pinpoint. <laughs> right, yeah. You're like, oh, I'm not buying that now. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. I, don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but it just kind of sprung to mind. Yeah. What have you been doing? Yeah. So we talked a little bit before the show about maybe kind of wading into talking about AI and chat GPT and stuff like that, which mm. we haven't really addressed a lot on this show, even though it's kind of everywhere. And maybe that's why we haven't addressed it so much because it's like, you know, people are getting burnt out of like so much stuff on yeah. AI. Um, but I wrote in my newsletter this week, 
Extra Focus newsletter I wrote about, because uh, I'd seen several different people, specifically with ADHD, talking about different ways that they were using AI and ChatGPT to kind of like help them deal with ADHD. And like one particular, so Nathan, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Bashes. Uh, he does the Every. Every, yeah. Yeah, Every, which is like this newsletter group. He actually used to work at Substack as well. Uh, but he's, I'm a big fan of his, his work. He does a lot of really interesting writing. Same, same. Yeah. And he recently wrote an article talking about kind of AI powered journaling. And so he's the kind of person that journals a lot. Like when he's like not sure what he thinks about something, he hops into a journal and just starts writing. And what he's been using is the app that he has been developing called Lex, which is Lex.page, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, it's one of the new, you know, like word process apps that has AI kind of built in. And so the way he will use it, he'll be like writing and kind of journaling and then kind of get stuck a little bit. And then you maybe use AI to kind of like question himself and like propose questions for himself. So he, it's almost like he has somebody right there with him mm -hmm. while he's trying to process his own thoughts and stuff like that. And he has an article that goes like, I don't know if I'm doing a great job of translating what he does, what he's talking about in the article, but it's a really great read, I think, about how you can use AI to just sort of like help bounce around thoughts in your own brain and sort of like have that conversation. Because I that's how I've used it a lot, too, because uh, before when, you know, writing my book, I've said to people like it feels like when you're writing a book, it's like you're making like 20,000 little decisions, but you have nobody to like bounce those ideas off of. So you're just like making the decision, not knowing at all if it's any good or not. It's kind of a, an isolated process. Mm -hmm. But by using ChatGPT, it helps you to confirm your own thoughts about something. Because I think it's really easy to just feel like this is a decision in front of me. What do I do with this? Or what's another way I could approach this? And then using ChatGPT, you can just sort of like ask it questions about your own stuff. It's kind of like a writing partner yeah. or like in the in my article, I, I said it's like like a really, really, really good thesaurus, like because it's more than just like suggesting a word. But you can even use it for stuff like I'll maybe ask, what's a good metaphor for this idea? And then I'll explain the idea and then it'll give some short metaphors. And they're usually not super great, but they'll spark something in me. Yes. Like, yeah. oh, that's not quite right. But that's a, that angle like a farm animal mm -hmm. like maybe that suggesting something with that ticks something in my brain or i'm like oh yeah i could do something to do with sheep and like how that might i don't know what the metaphor is i'm just making this up but that's sort yeah. of the idea it really helps spark when like when you're writing it's easy to get stuck with stuff like that i really like how you're talking about it because i think it's sort of a, a partner or something to bounce ideas off it might not solve it specifically although sometimes it can like if it's say a coding problem mm -hmm. but i like that it just sparks ideas i've been using it a little bit I've, to be to be honest like i've sort of i've sort of stayed away from it a bit and i have a little bit of fomo because i see a lot of my like indie hacker friends on twitter just using it and also building products on right, it and yeah. i'm like oh <laughs> should i look into the api and and i haven't it's so hard to not feel like is this a gold rush am i missing a gold rush right now yeah and then i'm like you know what stay focused because like i llama life is my thing it's kind of my baby and like i'm built that's what i'm building i'm not going to get distracted on it and if there is something where ai could help llama life maybe but i don't think that llama life is that kind of product like for me llama life is about the design and the experience and and really 
crafting that, you know, I love the creative process where I'm like, what mm. is that customer problem? How can I solve it from a engaging, fun, you know, what we were talking about before, like design, variety, randomness kind of way. And maybe chat GPT could help like spark some ideas. I have had instances where I'm chatting with it and I'm like, oh, it made me think about something different. And then I can mm. go research that or um, take the conversation in a different direction. But I kind of less like it for, can you just build me an app from scratch, that kind of thing. You know, I, I like it when it's paired with a human co-creating. I like the co-creation aspect, but you still have creative control. Yeah, like it's a tool. So I guess it just depends on how you use it. You know, that said, I did have a moment this week. We were kind of chatting about this a bit before we hit record. I did have my first moment where like I was really stuck on a coding problem. I spent the whole day on it and I was getting really frustrated because in theory, my code was, I was like, this should work. Like, it seems like it should work. Like, and I was going round and round in circles and like I was really tired and that's not a good place to be in. You know, you're kind of just <laughs> right. trying random things at that point and you're like, you just stop, you know, like you really need to stop. So anyway, I, it was 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I opened ChatGPT. <laughs> but this time I spent more time prompting it and I think in the past I've been a bit lazy when I prompt it and I try and ask it like good questions but this time I really was like hey you're you know I gave it a personality not personality a um a role I was like you're a software mm -hmm. developer I'm making a web app using JavaScript and React I'm a self-taught designer and developer I have three years experience like please take this all into account like when you give me the answer when mm -hmm. you explain it to me because it's it tries to explain it Take this into account. And then I literally was like, I have two arrays. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. Like I gave it so much information and it pretty much nailed the answer like straight away. I had to mm -hmm. tweak it slightly to fit my, my code, but it pretty much nailed it. And I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I had this moment where I put it in, I tweaked it, ran the, the program. And I was like, oh my God, it actually worked. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed now. I was like so tired and it worked and it solved it. And I'm like, oh my God. And I almost paid for it right then and there, like, you know how there's a chat GPT plus mm -hmm. 20 bucks or something a month. I almost paid for it right then and there. Yeah. I was impressed. I think it's, it really is about the prompting and how you decide you want to use it, I think is the key. Yeah. I think for development stuff, it's really kind of fascinating. Like I agree, like it's pretty wild that some people with no experience at all have been able to make apps like through prompting, which is really kind of fascinating to watch. But like, I also look at that and I'm like, what is maintenance going to be like when issues come up and you can't just like feed, well, at least now you can't just like feed your entire code base to chat GPT for it to like problem solve. But who knows, maybe that'll come out with GPT-5 or whatever. But what I found really interesting is it, you know, as a developer, I use Stack Overflow all the time. Like that's Same. a place I go whenever I'm running into like some sort of weird issue. Like I search and it usually ends up in Stack Overflow through that, I've sort of learned there, there's almost like this language you learn of like how to understand say. Stack Overflow. Yes, totally. Because it's not going to give you like the perfect answer for what you want. But you yeah, can yeah, sort yeah. of like read between the lines and you can like see what other people are suggesting and kind of go through there and find little pieces to kind of copy and paste and stuff like that. And I feel like ChatGPT has 90% eliminated Stack Overflow for me. So I, I go to ChatGPT with that stuff all the time. And it's almost like I kind of feel like it's as if I'm working in like a workspace with another dev that's like 
not very good to be social with, but has a lot of knowledge. And so every once in a while I hit a problem, I just call on my buddy Dev who like doesn't really <laughs> like to chat or have a conversation, but I can present the problem. Only and speaks he, when spoken he, to. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But has really great solutions. And maybe it's not perfect. Kind of what, I, I don't know if you just said it, but I know when we talked before, you'd mentioned how it gave you a for loop at first. And you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want a for loop. It's Exactly. And so you just tell it like, oh, can you tell me how to do it in a different way? Yeah, yeah. I really have found it super valuable for that. Once you kind of, like, you have to know how to interpret the answers. Like, it's mm-hmm. usually not just like a copy paste. It presents insights to you. You're like, oh, I didn't even think about doing it that way. Yeah. That is a much better solution or that's an easier way to handle that that hook or what it, whatever it is. And so I find it like extremely valuable for that. Yeah, I've, I've been prompting it with as much info as I can at the beginning. Like I'll say stuff like I'm building a web app and it's JavaScript React, but React using hooks, not class. Like I'm using hooks yeah. and function, functional components, not class-based components. Like I'll actually tell it because when it gives me the answer, like I want it to just, I mean, I could adapt it myself, but it's just easier if it's using functional components straight away. Like it just... Prefer it that way because yeah. when I skim the answer, I can like it's easier for me to to read like less mental overhead. I can get straight to like what it's trying to do, and I'll tell yeah. it things like I'm using styled components. Like I actually would say, yeah, because I, I need it to format stuff sometimes as well, and I'll just say like yeah, React hooks functional components, and I'm using that with styled components, and it does it. <laughs> like crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty and, wild. And, and then I'm, now I'm saying like no for loops. Yeah. I don't know why I have this thing. I don't like for loops. I'm like no for loops. And so like yeah, now I'm, it learns. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I just feel like it's old, old or something. Like it's not as modern. I'm not sure. I I don't f- ever have the need for it. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. use like a map, array dot map or something. I did a lot of development with like Elixir when that was kind of first coming out, and it does not do for loops it does it's all about kind of like doing mapping and stuff like that because it's a little wonky the way it does it but it tries to stay immutable and so like Mm -hmm. for loops don't really make as much sense in that sort of programming but yeah i'm the same way like for loops something about it just feels weird so i prefer to do some other methods for it Um, (laughs) but i wanted to say so speaking of like the the prompting which is really interesting like where you have these like massive prompts Mm. and somebody i wrote about this in my article someone sent me a prompt that they've been using to kind of make chat gpt work as like an adhd coach which has been really fascinating and so i'm just going to read a tiny bit of of the prompt and so it starts and it just says hello chat gpt my name is your name you are my personal adhd coach Please ask me for a list of tasks I need to get done today. After I tell you the tasks, help me figure out the right order to do them based on any time constraints I may have, as well as which ones are easiest to build motivation to do versus the harder ones. Mm. So that's like, that's three lines of the prompt and the prompt is like over 30 lines. So then it like goes through and it specifically talks about like, so it uses the four C's of ADHD motivation so it, it tells ChatGPT what these are. And then it says captivate, oh, wow. make it interesting or engaging, create, add novelty or a creative twist. And then it goes into kind of like explaining these. And so I've used this prompt. I've done some similar stuff, but not as complex as this one. Yeah. And you good? do this and then you give ChatGPT like your list of tasks and it'll like prioritize them for you. And then it'll tell you, it'll like make up strategies of like, try to do it like this, which uses the create motivation spark. 
and that will make it more novel. And okay. you, and then you can like interact with it, be like, oh, I actually did that strategy and it didn't work. Can you give me another one or give me three more? Interesting. And it'll use what you've given it as sort of like a model to generate these new strategies, which is really fascinating because that novelty is so important for like ADHD to motivate you. And other people too, like novelty can be really motivating. Oh, totally. Yeah. And so using ChatGPT, which has this infinite, I don't even know what you call it, but this infinite, it's not a knowledge base, but prediction engine, whatever the label is, it is really good at generating kind of new stuff if you give it enough information to work with for building that. Yeah, so that's super interesting for me as well, because obviously my product is like a task list to help you get right, stuff done. Yeah. But you know, we, we're, we were actually thinking of building a feature similar to that, but not using AI just because I kind of know, like, I, I guess I was going to try and get prompts from the user on how, how interesting they felt that task was. You could, you could actually just tell us mm-hmm. how interesting you think this is for you. And then we would, based on that, we would have certain things we would write back, but obviously we would have to hard code those in. Whereas, like you said, chat GPT would just, it's got sort of infinite, I'm not infinite, but it's got lots of different ways it could present the information back, but you also don't have complete control over what it's going to say. But that's super interesting. So did you find that it was good? Like when you used it, was it good? I, yes. It, it's so weird. Cause I would do that. I would give it a bunch of tasks and then it would send one back to me. And I would even like, like just say like right back, like that one's kind of intimidating. I'm not sure if I can find oh, the motivation. What's a way that you could break it down? And then it's like, oh, well, what if you started by doing it this way or another way? You would like present this. It, okay. It's pretty wild. And so okay. I'm. that's something I'm wanting to, after having seen how effective this like large prompt that um, his name's Ted. He's like one of my readers that sent to me. How, seeing how effective that is, I've been wanting to look into this more because it could be really, oh, really no. helpful because motivation is like so hard. You're tempting me, Jesse. Yeah. Like you're tempting me to go down like <laughs> this rabbit hole. I feel like it's like this Alice in Wonderland thing. Like I can see the rabbit hole. It's right there. I don't want to fall into this. Like I've got, oh. You're like, like tiptoeing around the edge I'm and too, you yeah, know yeah, if you yeah, slip yeah. in, I'm like it's trying too late. Not to look, I'm trying not to look. <laughs> Literally, like my feed on Twitter is full of it. And I'm. I, yeah. It's I too wanna, much. It's too much. I, but I do yeah. understand why people yeah, are yeah, so Yeah, I get excited. it. I get it. I don't yeah. want to, but I don't, yeah, I don't want to like mute the, the, the keywords like AI or anything like that. Because I do want to see it, but it is right. a lot. I just don't want us to lose our creativity because I really like mm-hmm. the creative. Like for me, when I make a product, like it's really about like what is the creative way that you can solve this problem? And part of that is the software dev stuff too, but it's a, it's about how it all comes together. I don't want to lose that. And I guess we'll see where it goes, but yeah, it's so tempting. So, <laughs> so <laughs> tempting. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing worth kind of uh, bringing up and pointing out, like I did get mostly, most of the feedback I got from my article was positive, but there mm, was some yeah. pushback from people talking about, especially in like the art, there's some like ethical kind of concerns right, there. Right. You're right. The copyright stuff or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah stuff yeah. like that. And I think my take on that is like, I see that and I don't know what the answer is to that, but I also know that like the genie's out of the bottle, like there's, mm. there's nothing that's going to like make this go away at this point. And so, like, I think, obviously, I'm not a lawyer or anything. My assumption is that there will be court cases and then people will get money and then that will be the solution is that money goes from open AI or whatever to artists in some fashion, but it doesn't disable what is out there. It's, it's, it's already out there and it's doing kind of what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing kind of related with that, like people, a lot of people said 
gave me comments that were like, the information that ChatGPT is creating is fake. It's not real stuff. It's not citing real sources and stuff like that. I know that. I think it's kind of the thing where, kind of what I was saying with like Stack Overflow, like I don't take the information it's giving me as gospel. Like mm. I don't look at it and be like, oh, that's it definitely true. And- yeah, but it's sparking stuff in me and it can prompt stuff for me. So I've done just like kind of a little bit, but a little bit with like researching for like the reading, the, the writing I'm doing about ADHD. And so I'll ask it some questions and it'll spit stuff back. And I know that all the stuff it tells me might be fake, but it can clue me into things to further research elsewhere. Yeah, and so yeah. I think that's just sort of like the important thing to know is that like, it's not Google, it's not giving you sources that are necessarily going to be true. Not that Google is either. That's maybe a problematic mm-hmm. comparison, but I think it's just sort of, to me, it doesn't devalue the tool as long as you know those limitations. You know the limitations, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's maybe just the different type of limitations. So, so for example, with Stack Overflow, you were kind of alluding to this before, but there's a certain way you approach when you search on Stack Overflow that you learn over time, right? So for me, I just start Googling a question and or an error message that comes up. I go to Stack Overflow and then the very first thing I do is I obviously look at the, the upvotes, downvotes, right? And then I'll scroll down straight away before even reading the main question, the main post, I scroll down and I just look at the answers because sometimes... <laughs> You know, when I first started, I'd, I'd read the whole um, post and then I'll scroll down and then there's like, oh, there's no answers or um, all, all <laughs> right. these answers that got downvoted, you know. Mm-hmm. So basically my first thing is like I try and assess the quality of that, the post that someone made and if there are any answers and the quality of those answers. And I also have this thing where if I read an answer and it seems convoluted or like really complicated, I just ignore it because I'm like, no, I'm sure there's a much simpler solution to that and there always is like every time I go that's too complicated and I look somewhere else I'm like oh yeah someone else solved it with like four lines of code or whatever when it feels too complicated it probably is but that's just like my approach to stack overflow and I know that's the limitation of stack overflow and so now it's just a different type of limitation with chat gpt just understanding what they are and how to work like within those constraints yeah I think that's the key and like I guess it's new for us, so we just need to figure that out. And does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm, I'm on the same page. Like that's the, your description of how you use Stack Overflow. That's the same way I use it. Like I pull it up, I skim the question to see if like, is this question sort of the same? Yeah, yeah. it's sort of the yeah, same. Yeah. Then scroll down, like look at the code. And often like if there's a block of code, I'll just look at the code and I'll know. Like mm. you look at the code and I'm like, oh, that'll do it. Yeah, I was missing that. And then yeah. yep. if I don't see that and I don't have that immediate confirmation, then I'll kind of do what you're saying. Like look through, like, okay, what are other people saying? Like, oh, that's wrong because this. Or yeah, the other thing, like it being too convoluted or too complex, it's like this can't be right. And I think that is one interesting thing because like a junior dev that maybe hasn't been doing it for very long might not know that like, oh, this complex solution probably isn't the solution. Mm. And they might just like take it as, just take it, you know, for what it says right there and then implement that and then have a much more complex like code base because of it. So I think there's this interesting sort of like level of having some experience to be able to know what is worth keeping and what's worth like just kind of tossing out. That's so funny that you say that with a junior dev. I mean, I'm still fairly junior, I guess. I've only been like coding for about three years and I, I taught myself. But I did have this question. So when we were interviewing, and we still are looking for a dev to join the team, 
But we were interviewing a dev like last year and he was fairly junior. He asked me that question. He said, how do you know on Stack Overflow that that is the right answer? And I sort of said, well, I don't know. I just kind of have a feeling that if it's too complicated, it's probably not the right answer. And then he was like, well, how do you know it's too complicated? I was like, I'm not sure. I just kind of know. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because I think if your fundamentals are good, my guess is that your fundamentals of coding are good and how things work, then you can feel like if it's a good solution, even if you're not familiar with, say, the syntax or whatever, you can kind of see structurally, you're like, I think structurally that makes sense, you know, or how React might work, like that makes sense. And then when you right. see something that doesn't fit that pattern, I'm pretty good at patterns, mm-hmm. like in everything, mm-hmm. life Same. as well, just, just patterns <laughs> in general, right? Like seeing yeah. a pattern in how something works. So when I look at it, I go, oh, the pattern, that doesn't feel right. And then I know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain that. And actually, I've never thought about it that way until we had this conversation. But I'm pretty sure now it's probably to do with pattern recognition that you just see the pattern isn't really right. And then you sort of think, oh, well, I'll look somewhere else. Yeah, like it sort of reminds me like this is a totally different tangent. So we, we don't need to <laughs> go down this path. Okay. But it sort of reminds me of like intuition. Like there's I feel like I have intuition a lot with things where I feel like like something about this and the situation isn't right. Or like I'll meet somebody and immediately like get a vibe and I'm like, this is not somebody that I'm gonna trust or whatever, or or the opposite. Like sometimes I'll mm. just have like a positive feeling about something. And I've found for me, my intuition more often than not, like by a large margin, like turns out to be true. Yeah. And so I really lean into my intuition. I think part of it is that kind of like what you're the pattern recognition, like something about my brain really likes finding those patterns and mm-hmm. sort of like connecting things with those patterns. And I've, I find that, yeah, with like stack over, overflow, looking at code, you just sort of know, you just look at it and you're like, yeah, this is not, this isn't it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And some of that is experience. And some of that is just that like pattern recognition, like you said. Maybe that's a good time for us to, <laughs> feels like the, yeah. we're coming to the close of that conversation, but like, yeah, maybe that's a good time for us to break. We're pretty much on time. That's kind of good. We normally go for about 30 minutes, so that's perfect. Nailed it. Cool. What are you, um, <laughs> what are you planning to do this coming week? We've got Easter, so that kind of, I'm still working <laughs> pretty much through, but I'm going to try and take a break as well. I think it's important to take breaks. Like I've just felt it firsthand when I try and work through the weekend, it's never a good thing. Like it's something's got to give somewhere and it's just a matter of time. So I'm really trying to take breaks over the weekend. I still do a little bit of work, but I definitely like go and see my friends, my family, mm-hmm. just try and have some downtime. So I will be doing some bare bones stuff over Easter, but, but I'm definitely going to be taking a break as well. What about you? Yeah, so I've got some family stuff uh, going on with Easter and things like that. But I actually, later on tonight, I'm supposed to get my book back from my editor. And so that is going to be the biggest thing that I'm... Because my my goal, I'm trying to be ambitious. So I've got like sort of a target in mind of where I'd like to launch the book. And I'm feeling like things are like, I'm getting so close to the end for that. And so I'm going to get that back from him tonight. And then my goal is to do any sort of writing changes, whatever needs to happen based on his uh, notes and suggestions and do that within two weeks so that I can get it back to him for like Mm -hmm. the final line editing because the editing he's doing right now is more larger in scope. So I don't know what it's going to be, but it could be suggesting like, oh, you should move this chapter to later in the book or this whole section should be like twice as long or half as long. Like Mm. things like that may be part of this. But then the next step, once I've gone through it, then he'll be doing line editing, 
which is like basically going sentence by sentence. So less about the overall context and more like, is this sentence, you know, good or grammar or things like that. I'm trying to like hyperspeed through these last few steps so that I can get like my goal right now is to get to a point where I'm confident in a launch date and then I can get the book uploaded to Amazon and stuff like that. So I can do pre-orders so I can have like, I don't know, three to four weeks of like a pre-order window before Mm -hmm. I launch. Also supposed to get illustrations back, like initial illustrations back from an illustrator this week too. So that's going to be for the next, I mean, I'll, I'll be out for most of the weekend is with family stuff. But other than that, like the book is going to be the thing I'll be looking at for uh, next few days. Yeah. That sounds good. And, and I, it's really interesting to hear your book stuff because it's, I just never really, I guess I've got like a front row seat to, um, you know, what it takes to write a book. And there's always more to it than you think. Like, Oh, so much more. It's really, it's been such an interesting process. And I kind of, I, I mean, I kind of feel like it's so much more than I thought it was going to be, but I'm also finding that I really love a lot of the steps of it. And so I kind of have this vision, like I'd love my legacy to be sort of like you hear about like, oh, Harrison Ford, he didn't even start acting until he was like 38 or something like that. Mm. Like I, I kind of have this feeling right now, like I'd love someday for someone to be like, oh yeah, Jesse Anderson, he didn't even write his first book until his 40s. <laughs> and like, that's kind of yeah, like, yeah, I've got cool. so many ideas for other books yeah, that I yeah. want to do alongside, I mean, I have so many things I also want to do, like building apps and stuff like that too. But this book thing is so really interesting and it really just sort of connects for me. So I'm, I'm excited to see, to get to this launch process and sort of see what it all uh, looks like and then get to start working on my second book too. <laughs> I, had, I love that. And I did not realize Harrison Ford didn't do his first acting gig till 38. I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't remember. But I know all, it's in his later 30s. In life, right? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Wow. That's crazy. But that means he would have done Star Wars like later than that. Cause surely Star Wars wasn't his first thing. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm, like I'm trying go to look it up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's I can't crazy find it. Though. Yeah, also, you know, the actor um, who played Short Round, like in um, Indiana Jones, like, I mean, he just won his first Academy Award much yeah. later in life. And that was a really, oh, that was a really nice moment to see as well. Like just the persistence, the hard work. You, you can achieve stuff later. Mm-hmm. I'm the same because I only started teaching myself to code like a few years ago. So that's much later in life. And I change careers a few times as well. Like you can always start again. I, I feel like you can always do that. It's just a matter of like, do you want to? Are you going to put the time into it? Like if you really want to do it, you, you can do it. You just have to figure out a way. And the most important thing I think is don't compare to other people because I am guilty of this as well. But every time I compare myself to someone else, like I never feel good. Like <laughs> I, I think you can use someone else as a reference point, but you shouldn't like hard compare because yeah. there's all this context that's missing. You don't know their story, their situation could be very different to yours. Like I've, I've heard some people say like, you can't like when you try to compare with somebody else, like if you're going to do that, you need to compare their entire like, story. Yeah, like for like. You can't just take the part that is going well for them that you wish was going well for you. Yeah, you can't just take everyone's one tweet. story is a lot more. <laughs> one tweet yeah. and go, oh my God, their MRR is so huge. Like I'm you know, my business is crap compared to theirs. It's like, well, right. you, know, you know nothing about, you, you're basing it on one tweet. You need to base it on their whole Twitter history and more. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, it's, it's very dangerous. <laughs> it's very dangerous. But yeah. anyway, awesome, on that note. Awesome, cool. Yeah, on, on that <laughs> on note, that uh, note. <laughs> it was great to chat and I will see you next week. Okay, cool. See you then.